0: You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500 page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, head on over to Facebook and find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group. There you'll be able to exchange your own ideas, thoughts, and reflections about today's readings with other listeners and followers. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. We are reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 25, Paragraphs 653 to 663. Chapter 25 In accordance with the divine will, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph settle down to dwell near the city of Heliopolis, and they regulate their daily life during their banishment. 653 The traditions which in many parts of Egypt kept alive the remembrance of wonders wrought by the incarnate word, gave rise to differences of opinion among the sacred and other writers, in regard to the city in which our exiles lived during their stay in Egypt. Some of them assert that they dwelt in this city, some in another, but all of them may be right and in accordance with facts, since each one may be speaking of a different period of the sojourn of our pilgrims in Memphis, or Babylon of Egypt, or in Mataira, for they visited not only these cities, but many others. I, for my part, have been informed that they passed through these, and then reached Heliopolis, where they took up their abode. Their holy guardian angels instructed the heavenly queen and St. Joseph that they were to settle in this city. For besides the ruins of the temples and idols, which just as in other places took place at their arrival here, the Lord had resolved to perform still other miracles for his glory and for the rescue of souls and the inhabitants of this city, according to the good fortune already prognosticated in its name as City of the Sun were to see the Son of Justice and Grace arise over them, and shine upon them. Following these orders, St. Joseph sought to purchase, for a suitable price, some dwelling in a neighborhood. And the Lord ordained that he should find a poor and humble yet serviceable house at a small distance from the city, just such as the Queen of Heaven desired. 654. Having therefore found this dwelling near Heliopolis, they took their abode therein. At the first entrance of the heavenly lady with her divine son and St. Joseph, she prostrated herself to the ground, kissing it in profound humility, and lovingly thanking the Most High for having secured them this place of rest, after their prolonged and laborious journeyings. She thanked also the earth and the elements for bearing with her, since in her matchless humility she persisted in esteeming herself unworthy of all favors. She adored the immutable being of God in this prostration, dedicating all that she was to do in this place to his honor and worship. Interiorly she made a sacrifice of all her powers and faculties, offering to assume readily with joy all the labors by which the Almighty could be served during her exile for in her prudence she foresaw and affectionately embraced them all. By means of her divine knowledge, she set a great value on suffering, understanding how highly they are esteemed at the divine tribunal, and how her most holy Son looked upon them as a rich treasure and inheritance. Having performed these exalted acts of devotion, she set about humbly to clean and arrange the poor little house, borrowing the instruments for this purpose. Although our heavenly strangers were thus sufficiently provided with the shelter of bare walls, they were in want of all else pertaining to the sustenance and comfort of daily life. As they now lived in an inhabited country, the miraculous assistance which they had enjoyed in the desert through the ministry of the angels failed them. And the Lord left them to the last resource of the poor, namely the begging of alms. Having come to these straits of suffering hunger, St. Joseph went forth to seek this kind of assistance for the love of God, giving thereby an example to the poor, not to complain of their affliction, and all other means failing not to be ashamed to have recourse to this expedient. For so early the Lord of all creation allowed himself to fall into this extreme of being obliged to beg for his sustenance, in order that he might have an occasion to return the alms a hundredfold. 6.55 During the first three days of their arrival in Heliopolis, just as in other places of Egypt, the queen had for herself and for her only begotten no other sustenance than what was begged by his foster father St. Joseph. When he began to earn some wages by his work, he made a humble couch for the mother and a cradle for her son, while he himself had as a resting place only the bare ground for the house was without any furniture, until by his own labor he succeeded in making some of the most indispensable pieces for the convenience of all three. In this connection, I must not pass over in silence the fact that in their extreme poverty and need, most holy Mary and Joseph regretted not their house in Nazareth, nor thought of the aid of their relations and friends, nor of the gifts of the kings which they had given away, and which, if they had saved them, would now be useful. All of these regrets were far from their minds, nor did they complain of the great privation and destitution, thinking of the past or worrying about their future. But they bore all with incomparable equanimity, joy, and tranquility, resigning themselves to the divine providence in their extreme need and poverty. O smallness of our unfaithful hearts, in what excruciating anxieties we are apt to be cast at finding ourselves Threatened with poverty or privation, immediately we begin to rail at occasions lost, and having missed or neglected this or that advantage, or at not having done this or that, by which we would have evaded our misfortunes. All these complaints are vain and most foolish, since they can bring no relief. Although it would have been good if we had not committed the sins by which we are thus punished, yet very often we are sorry for them only on account of the temporal disadvantages and not for the guilt connected with sin. Slow and stupid of heart are we to perceive the spiritual things conducive to our justification and growth in grace. Luke 24.25 While on the other hand we are full of fleshly and earthly rashness in entering upon temporal affairs and anxieties, the example of our exiles is indeed a severe reprimand for our low-minded earthliness. 656 The most prudent lady and her spouse, forsaken and destitute of all temporal help, accommodated themselves joyfully to the poverty of their little dwelling. Of the three rooms which it contained, they assigned one to be the sanctuary or temple of the infant Jesus, under the tender care of the most pure mother. There they placed the cradle and her bare couch, until after some days, by the labor of the holy spouse, and through the kindness of some pious women, they could obtain wherewith to cover it. Another room was set aside for the sleeping place and oratory of St. Joseph. The third served as a workshop for plying his trade. In view of their great poverty and of the great difficulty of sufficient employment as a carpenter, the great lady resolved to assist him by the work of his hands to earn a livelihood. She immediately executed her resolve by seeking to obtain needlework, through the intervention of the pious women who, attracted by her modesty and sweetness, were beginning to have intercourse with her. As all that she attended to or bruised herself with was so perfect, the reputation of her skill soon spread about so that she never was in want of employment, whereby to eke out the slender means of livelihood for her son, the true God and man. 657. In order to obtain the indispensable victuals and clothing, furnishing the house ever so moderately, and pay the necessary expenses, it seemed to our queen that she must employ all day in work, and consume the night in attending to her spiritual exercises. This she resolved upon not for any motives or gain, or because she did not continue in her contemplations during the day, for this was her incessant occupation in the presence of the infant god, as I have so often said and shall repeat hereafter. But some of the hours which she was wont to spend in special exercises, she wished to transfer to the night time in order to be able to extend the hours of the manual labor, not being minded to ask or expect God's miraculous assistance for anything which she could attain by greater diligence and additional labor on her own part. In all such cases, we ask for miraculous help, more for our own convenience, Then, on account of necessity, the most prudent queen asked the Eternal Father to provide sustenance for her divine Son. But at the same time, she continued to labor. Like one who does not trust in herself or in her own efforts, she united prayer with her labors in order to obtain the necessities of life like other men. 658. The infant Jesus was much pleased with the prudence of his mother, and with her resignation in the midst of her dire poverty, and in return for her fidelity, he wished to lessen the labors she had undertaken. One day he spoke to her from the cradle and said, My mother, I wish to set up a rule for thy daily life and labors. Immediately the heavenly mother knelt before him and answered, My sweetest love and Lord of all my being, I praise and magnify thee because thou hast condescended to meet my secret thoughts and desires. May it please thee to direct my footsteps according to thy holy will, to regulate all my labors according to thy wishes, and to order all my occupations in each hour of the day according to thy divine pleasure. And since thy deity became incarnate and thy majesty condescended to take heed of my longings, speak light of my eyes, for thy servant hears. The Lord replied, My dearest mother, from the time of nightfall, that is, from the hour called by us, nine o'clock, Thou shalt take some sleep and rest, and from midnight until the break of day thou mayest occupy thyself in contemplation with me, and we will praise the Eternal Father. Thereupon prepare the necessary food for thyself and Joseph, and afterwards give me nourishment, and hold me in my arms until the third hour, when thou shalt place me in the arms of thy husband, in order to afford him some refreshment in his labors. Then retire until it is time to prepare his meal and return to thy work, since thou hast not with thee the sacred scriptures, which were wont to console thee. Thou canst, by my holy science, enter into the doctrines of eternal life, in order that they may follow me in perfect imitation, and continually pray to the Eternal Father for the sinners. 6.59 By this rule of life the Most Holy Mary governed her doings during her stay in Egypt. Every day, three times, she nursed the infant god at her breast, for when he pointed out to her the hour in which she was to nurse him in the morning, he did not forbid her to afford him nourishment at other times, as she had been accustomed to do since his nativity. Whenever the Heavenly Mother was engaged in any work, she always performed it in his presence and upon her knees, and it was very usual during their colloquies and conferences— that the king from his cradle and the mother at her work broke out in mysterious canticles of praise. If they were all written, they would outnumber all the psalms and all the hymns used by the church and all that are written. For there can be no doubt that God conversed with the source of his humanity, his most blessed mother, in a more exalted and wonderful manner than with David, Moses, Mary, Anne, and all the prophets. By these hymns, the heavenly mother was continually filled with new influences of the divinity— and new longings to be united to the unchangeable being. For she alone was the phoenix, which could be renewed in this conflagration, and the royal eagle, which could penetrate into the ineffable light and soar from height to heights, whither no other created being could venture to wing its flight. She fulfilled the end for which the divine word had assumed flesh in her virginal womb, namely to draw on and elevate the rational creatures to the divinity, as she was the only creature which did not present the hindrance of sin and in its effects, nor from disordered passions and appetites, but was free of the downward tendency of our earthly nature. She flew upward to her beloved and to his exalted habitation, not resting until she reached the center, which was the divinity. Moreover, she had always in view and way and the light, John 16.6, the incarnate word, and all her desires and affections met in the immutable being of the Most High. And therefore she hastened on in burning fervor, embracing her goal rather than flying towards it, and living more in her love than in her life. 6.60 Sometimes also the infant God slept under the watchful care of his happy and fortunate mother, in order that also this saying might become true. I sleep, but my heart is awake, Canticle 5.2, and as this most holy body of her son was for her a most clear mirror in which she saw and penetrated the secrets of his deified soul and its operations, Wisdom 7.16, she beheld herself therein again and again. Especially consoling to the heavenly lady was it to see the most holy soul of her son revealed to her in all its heroic operations as a pilgrim, and yet a comprehensor. While at the same time his bodily faculties were lost in the tranquil and beauteous sleep of childhood, his whole humanity being hypostatically united to the divinity, our language is incapable of describing the sweet affections and flights of love and the heroic acts of the Queen of Heaven on these occasions, and falls far short of the reality. But where words fail, let faith and love supply the deficiency. 661. Whenever she wished to afford St. Joseph the consolation of holding the infant Jesus, the mother of God said, My son and Lord, look upon thy faithful servant Joseph with the love of a son and father, and delight thyself in the purity of his affectionate soul, so acceptable in thy eyes. And to St. Joseph she said, My spouse, receive in thy arms the Lord, who holds in his hands all the orbs of heaven and earth, and who has given them existence out of his mere bounty. Refresh thyself from thy labors in him who is thy glory of all creation. For these favors, St. Joseph returned most humble thanks, and he was wont to ask his spouse whether he could dare to caress the child. Encouraged by her, he would do so, and this privilege made him forget all the hardships of his labor, and made them easy and sweet in his eyes. Whenever Mary and Joseph were at their meals they had with the infant, In serving the meals, the heavenly queen held him in her arms, partaking of the food with great modesty, and in holding him, she, at the same time, afforded her most pure soul a sweeter and more nourishing food than to the body, adoring and loving him as the eternal God, and caressing him with the tenderness of a mother. It is impossible to conceive the attention which she paid to this double duty, on the one hand to fulfill all obligation that was due to him as from a creature to its creator, looking upon him in his divinity as Son of the Eternal Father, as King of kings and Lord of lords, as the maker and preserver of all the universe, and on the other hand to give to him all the attention that he deserved as an infant, serving him and nursing him. betwixt with these two extremes, she was entirely inflamed with love, and her whole being consumed in heroic acts of admiration, praise, and affection. Of all the rest which the two spouses did, It can only be said that they were the wonder of the angels and that they attained the summit of holiness and of divine pleasure. Instruction vouchsafed by the Queen of Heaven, Most Holy Mary. 662. My daughter, I came into Egypt where I knew no relations or friends in a land of foreign religion where I could offer no home or protection or assistance to my son whom I love so much. It can easily be understood then what tribulations and hardships we suffered since the Lord permitted them to come over us. Thou canst not understand with what patience and forbearance we accepted them, and even the angels cannot estimate the reward I merited from the Most High by the love and resignation with which I bore them, and which were greater than if I had been in the greatest prosperity. It is true, I grieved much to see my husband in such necessity and want, but at the same time I blessed the Lord to be able to suffer with him. In this most noble patience and joy of spirit, I wish that thou imitate me whenever the Lord offers thee an occasion, and that thou learn to act with prudence, interiorly and exteriorly, ordering well thy actions and thy thoughts, without hindrance to either of them. 663. When the necessaries of life are wanting to those under thy charge, exert thyself properly to obtain them. If sometimes thou must sacrifice thy own tranquility in fulfilling this obligation, thou needest not, on that account, lose thy peace of mind, especially if thou art mindful of what I have so often told thee, not to lose sight of the presence of the Lord. For by his divine light and grace, if thou art careful and preservest thy peace, thou can do all things. Whatever can duly be procured by human exertion is not to be expected by a miracle. Nor must one try to exempt himself from labor in the hope of a supernatural interference on the part of God. For the Lord sweetly concurs with the ordinary and natural course of created things. The labor of the body is serviceable to the soul, as a sacrifice and as an increase of the merits due to that kind of activity. While at work, the rational creature can praise God and adore him in spirit and in truth. John 4:23. In order to fulfill this duty, direct thy activity according to his pleasure, consult his will in regard to them, weighing them with the scales of the sanctuary and riveting thy attention upon the divine light, which the Almighty infuses in thy soul. This concludes our reading today for day number 175. We've been reading from volume 2, book 4, chapter 25. Today we read paragraph 653 to 663. How fitting it is that the Holy Family settled in Cairo, also known as Heliopolis, also known as the City of the Sun. And Jesus is the Rising Sun. The Sun has often been used as an image for Almighty God and for the Lord himself. We await the sons return they find a home and they have to furnish that home how convenient it is that joseph is a carpenter and he is able to do such things he created a couch for mary he created a cradle for jesus and eventually he'll fill that home with so many objects and it says his craftsmanship was quite fine spectacular made me wonder, you know, they're going to leave Egypt at some point. They're going to return back home to Nazareth. I'm sure that's the next volume that will begin soon. And I wonder, well, what did they do with all that furniture then? Did they sell it? Something to think about, wonder about, and maybe we'll get our answer here uh, in readings in the future. The other thing that I kind of found peculiar in our reading was that in this connection i must not pass over in silence the fact that in their extreme poverty and need most holy mary and joseph regretted not their home in nazareth nor thought of the aid of their relations and friends nor of the gifts of the kings which they had given away and which if they had saved them would now be useful because i had often heard it said that the gold that they received that They would have used that to pay for their livelihood in Egypt to get their feet settled and going. Now, of course, that was a small tea tradition. That was just something I heard people speculate about. And we get a different version from Maria Bogota that in their generosity, they gave away all of those things. I thought it interesting also to learn of the work that Our Lady did that she was an individual who was able to use a needle, and that she created many fine things uh, with that task at hand. And think about what Our Lady did as she worked. She thought about the things of God. We all work ourselves, and do we allow God to be a part of that work? Do we think about that work in the context of faith? Do we lift our minds and thoughts to heaven at times? She's able to incorporate that as she goes about her day. How can you, like Mary, contemplate during the day as you carry out your tasks? And then Jesus tells Mary to set up a rule of life, kind of telling her the different things that she's supposed to do throughout the day. Do you have a rule of life? I think especially it's important to say, these are the things I want to do today as I pray. I want to pray in this way. So that then you can look back and say, well, I did pray in that way that I wanted. In the way that God has asked me to. I've lived my life in a wholesome way. That's what a rule of life says and does. Maybe sketch out just an idea of what your day might look like. Is there reading sometime? Do you read in the evening? Of course, we're reading a spiritual book. You're listening to it, maybe reading along as well. When do you do that? Do you do that in the morning? Do you do that in the evening? But to have that rule of life and to allow that to guide you in everything you do in your own personal life. And when you create that rule of life, Give it to the Lord and say, Lord, is this how you want me to live? And the Lord surely will confirm or tell you where things need to change. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes in the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and Mary pray for you.